Hello, this is Zandi Hicks. This podcast is called Bold, Brave, and Daring because, well, that's already inside of you. You can choose to be bold, brave, and daring every day of your life. And this podcast teaches you how to walk through life with God, Him showing you how to become bold, brave, and daring. This podcast is like letters from God Himself. So stay tuned because I know that He wants to speak right to you. So today is letter 14 of the Screwtape Letters. And I just wanted to um, reiterate again the reason that I'm doing this. And A, the Holy Spirit asked me to do it. But B, when I first read this book, I read it in November of 2020. And it really spoke to me. I was afraid of it for years. I've had it probably since I was 17, but I never read it because I was too afraid since it's an older demon mentoring a younger demon. That just sounds creepy. And... I was afraid of it. Well, then I realized that ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance might just mean that you're being deceived. So I realized I needed to read it. And when I read it, it completely opened my eyes to just how much we are deceived and how much things in the world do affect us as Christians and how we can live strong through it. Because a lot of the book is basically telling us what to do as Christians so that we can live the opposite way of how the demons are trying to confuse us. So I'm grateful that you're listening and you're being brave and bold and stepping out and maybe overcoming a fear that you've had of learning about spiritual warfare and uncovering things that might be going on in your life that you have not wanted to look at and now you're realizing, okay, I need to see what's actually going on behind the scenes. So, yeah, today is letter 14, like I said, and this letter is about the patient becoming humble, and he's starting to count on grace every day, every hour, and starting to kind of wake up to reality. So it starts out, I'm going to read on the first page, catch him at the moment when he is really poor in spirit and smuggle into his mind the gratifying reflection, by Jove, I'm being humble, and almost immediately pride pride at his own humility, will appear. If he awakens to the danger and tries to smother this new form of pride, make him proud of his attempt, and so on, through as many stages as you please. But don't try this too long, for fear you awake his sense of humor and proportion, in which case he will merely laugh at you and go to bed. (laughs) So get him focusing on how humble he's being, and then that will lead to pride. It goes on to say that God wants us to focus on him and our neighbors, not on ourselves. And God's version of humility for us is completely different than how the demons are trying to distort it. It continues on and says how the demons can twist humility from how God created it to be, which God created us to put others before ourselves. The demons have twisted humility into a low self-esteem. He goes on to describe, like, twist them into thinking that instead of them being beautiful, they're ugly. And instead of them being clever, they're fools. Twist their minds into thinking that humility is thinking very low of themselves. Honestly, if we're thinking low of ourselves, that's an insult to God because we're made in God's image. So if we're criticizing ourselves, then we're criticizing God. And I'm so grateful that I grew up having a good self-image even by 
if you go back to my podcast on confidence on the outside and confidence on the inside, you know, I was raised in a home where we were told that we were beautiful, told that we were loved, you know, pushed to do things that we wanted to do. Like if we wanted to dance, we danced. And that took a lot of courage to be on stage and, you know, singing and those kinds of things. But it pushes your confidence and it helps you. But then at the same time, you have to learn to be humble and not think of yourself highly. That's kind of the dichotomy of which one do you choose? And it's really not a choice. You know, it goes on to say, we have the chance of keeping their minds endlessly revolving on themselves in an effort to achieve the impossible. To anticipate the enemy's strategy, we must consider his aims. The enemy wants to bring the man to a state of mind in which he could design the best cathedral in the world and know it to be the best and rejoice in the fact without being any more or less or otherwise glad at having done it than he would be if it had been done by any other. The enemy wants him in the end to be so free from any bias in his own favor that he can rejoice in his own talents as frankly and gratefully as in his neighbor's talents or in a sunrise, an elephant, or a waterfall. He wants each man in the long run to be able to recognize all creatures, even himself, as glorious and excellent things. God wants us to rejoice in our talents. He put them inside of us so we can be just as happy that we have that talent as we can be for our neighbor's talent because God put their talents in them as well. We're most free when we step into who God called us to be, just like we learned yesterday. We're most free when we're most like him. And God wants us to love ourselves. That's the other thing that that's saying is Jesus' greatest commandment was love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you love God, then you can love your neighbors and love yourself. It goes on to say, when they really have learned to love their neighbors as themselves, they will be allowed to love themselves as their neighbors. For we must never forget what is the most repellent and inexplicable trait in our enemy. He really loves the hairless bipeds he has created and always gives back to them with his right hand what he has taken away with his left. His whole effort, therefore, will be to get the man's mind off the subject of his own value altogether. He would rather the man thought himself a great architect or a great poet and then forget about it than that he should spend much time and pains trying to think of himself as a bad one. God wants us to think good about ourselves. He wants us to rejoice in our talents, but not harp on them of like, oh yes, I'm such a great person and just continue to think about that. He wants us to think about it, to know it and believe it and say like, yes, I am good at this and then move on. We don't need to dwell on who we are and how amazing we are because that takes us away from dwelling on how amazing God is and how amazing other people are. That's humility in God's perspective and his definition of it. The last thing I'm going to read is, The enemy will also try to render real in the patient's mind a doctrine which they all profess, but find it difficult to bring home in their feelings. The doctrine that they did not create themselves, that their talents were given to them, and that they might as well be proud of the color of their hair. But always and by all methods, the enemy's aim will be to get the patient's mind off such questions, and yours will be to fix it on them. Even of his sins, the enemy does not want him to think too much. Once they are repented, the sooner the man turns his attention outward, the better the enemy is pleased. 
So that's saying the demon's job is to get us focused on how we are different and how we look in a bad way. It's getting us to focus on, you know, us not liking ourselves, our skin color, our hair color, the way we were made by God. But God wants us to focus on others more than ourselves and to love how he made us and others. I mean, this is so prevalent. People don't like how they look, so they change it. They go to a plastic surgeon and they get things fixed. They change their hair color. They change their skin tone. They change a bunch of different things because they don't like how they look. And that God doesn't want us to focus on that. He wants us to love ourselves, think highly of ourselves, and like say, I am beautiful because I'm made in God's image, and then to focus on others and Him. I also see this in like, how racism is pulling people apart, but we're all made by the same God created in his image. We each have a uniqueness and we should be celebrating each other's uniqueness and be rejoicing in our neighbor's talents and beauty and gifts, not comparing or putting others down, but loving how they look. Compliment someone today. The next time someone compliments you, thank them and then move on. God wants you to rejoice about who you are. He wants you to see yourself as beautiful and see yourself as handsome and see yourself as smart and strong and brave and then to give him the glory for it and then to notice those things in your neighbors. Call them out. Say to them, like, I'm proud of you for being brave. It makes someone feel so good, but it's, it's focusing on rejoicing and celebrating each other instead of focusing on this cycle of getting ourselves stuck in a low self-esteem, and then we actually are focusing on ourselves more than if we didn't think about ourselves at all. That's letter 14, and I'm really enjoying getting to read this, and I hope it's making an impact in your life, and it's starting to get you to think and to change things in your daily routine. I know it's definitely doing that for me. So, yeah, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Thank you for listening to my podcast today. Bold, Brave, and Daring is all about making you bold, brave, and daring. Like I say, because it's already inside of you and God wants to show that to you. So if you have any questions, please DM me, message me. I would love to hear your questions or about what God has done in your life. So let me know, comments, and I love you. And I hope that you have a wonderful week.